Welcome to the Roots of the Spirit podcast. I'm your host, Spirit Taufik. I'm a social justice passionista and daughter of the civil rights movement. This podcast is my commitment to serve as an intergenerational bridge and galvanize change by having honest conversations about identity, the social construct of race, racism, and social justice. Welcome to Roots of the Spirit. Dear Roots of the Spirit community, it is such a sheer honor and pleasure to introduce you to today's guest, Tawny Chapman an incredibly gifted, glorious, and spectacular artist whose work is making golden waves around the globe. I'm honored to have met Tani 20 years ago and seen her beautiful work evolve and blossom. I just light up each time I see her work featured, whether it be at Donna Karen New York studio, at Art Basel, and most recently, my mother and I were so grateful to spend an afternoon with Tani and her beautiful family in NYC at Photographiska, where her work was one of the opening exhibitions, a very prominent gallery. And you'll hear us speak about that in the interview. We'll be referring to an experience where young people were absorbing her beautiful work, her exhibition at Photographiska in New York. And girl, I get excited just thinking about it. The day I opened Instagram and saw Beyonce's beautiful little girl, Blue Ivy, in front of one of Tawny's works. And most awesomely, I'm proud to have one of Tawny's original works in my living room from her Awakening series. I could go on for days and days and days, trust me, but let me present you with her official bio. Tawny Chapman is a self-taught artist who has been working in the field of photography for the past 16 plus years. Born in Tokyo, growing up an army brat, she had the unique opportunity to take in the cultures of three different continents all by the age of 12. By then, she was in the United States and elbow deep in her aunt's theater company. She studied theatrical arts from age 12 to early childhood. After briefly attending a dramatic arts conservatory after high school, she switched paths. At 19, Tawny was gifted her first camera, and the rest is history. As the mother of three children, the primary theme that drives Tawny's current art practice is celebrating the beauty of African-American children, maternal and familial bonds. Presently, she is drawn to creating portraits that are loosely inspired by works painted during the 15th through 19th centuries with the specific intent of bringing to the forefront faces that were often under-celebrated in this style of work. Chapman's current creations are the result of passing through many phases in work and life. She attributes this evolution to three major life events. Her decision to no longer pursue a career in dramatic arts, the birth of her first child, and the death of her father. Chapman has won several awards and recognitions, including Photographer of the Year, People Photographer of the Year, first place professional people family and first place specially digitally enhanced at the international photo awards 2018 as well as a number of awards at prix de la photographie 2018 and fine art photograph photography awards 2018 she has exhibited in galleries fairs and festivals around the world she currently resides in maryland with her husband and three children Without further ado, I'm excited to introduce you to Tawny Chapman. Welcome to the Roots of the Spirit podcast, Tawny. It's an honor to have you on the show, and I've been looking forward to this interview for a very long time. <laughs> oh, thank you. As you may know, I created the Roots of the Spirit podcast as a platform to spark honest conversations about identity, race, racism, and social justice. 
with the hope to galvanize change and uproot racism through storytelling, education, and the arts. Tani, your story, journey, and work are like the quintessential expression and embodiment of the roots of the spirit ideals. So I'm so happy mm. to have this conversation with you. Well, thank you. It's easy to talk to you, so uh, <laughs> we should have a good interview. So one of the things that I love to do is tell my listeners just how I became acquainted with my guests. Uh-huh. I have like vivid memories and I'm going to paint a picture of what it was like <laughs> to meet you and, and your family initially. So we have to go back 20 years, which I can't believe. I don't know where the yeah. <laughs> where in the world the time went. It's insane. Oh my gosh. Um, even though it feels like yesterday, it doesn't feel like yesterday. So my family, by a twist of fate, I was born and raised in Canada, but by a twist of fate, we moved to the United States and we settled in Maryland originally. And so Mm -hmm. we were living in Greenbelt, Maryland at that time. And my sister Star came home one day and she was so excited because she was driving and she saw a yard sale or an art sale or a consignment sale. I I don't know exactly how to describe it. Yeah, it was a yard sale. (laughs) Okay, so it was a yard sale. And she came home and she was like, oh my God, I met the dopest family. And I don't know if she used the word dope, but that's like my current day (laughs) describing how excited she was. And she was like, look at this mirror I bought. She bought this mirror I think you had made. And for some reason, I have like a recollection of bedazzled jeans. And she was just like elated. (laughs) (laughs) For some reason, when we moved to the States, it was kind of hard to build a community. And Mm. you and your family like just stood out. Like you were just creators and you were open and so I remember the excitement that she exuded when she came home and brought the mirror and the jeans. And so I think that was kind of that. I mean, the story is like long. I'm trying to condense it. But so yeah. from the age of 15, I always had this dream of becoming a model for completely mm-hmm. ridiculous reasons. But anyway, <laughs> that was one of my dreams at the time. I think I was 20 years old and you were a photographer that I, I learned um, once we became acquainted as neighbors. So. Mm-hmm. Because you were doing photography at the time, you ended up doing a photo shoot for your blog. Yes. And you interviewed me. And the reason why I have such fond memories of this is because you asked me a couple questions to build a profile around my pictures. And you were the very first person in my entire life to ask me, what is your calling? Mm. And I literally had no idea what you meant. <laughs> <laughs> So I probably like embarrassedly was like, well, what do you mean? And you're like, what are your aspirations? I remember two things. I don't remember the third, but two things. I said, I want to write one book. I want to be in one movie. And I can't remember the other. Wow. Wow. I don't even remember that part, but that's amazing. (laughs) It's crazy because like things like that just etch in your mind and stay with you forever so mm. and the rest is history and it's just an honor to be talking to you today like 20 years later <laughs> yeah has it been 20 years I mean that's exactly that's pretty much how I remember it I was doing the yard sale at my mom's house where we've lived for I don't know so we moved here from Germany and I was thinking the sixth grade so I grew up in that house after that and that is where I met Oh my gosh, I loved her so much from the moment I met her. I loved her name, her, just her spirit, everything about her. And um, she loved this mirror. I, it was this antique mirror I purchased 
and it had these little lights and I remember it too exactly it had all of these lights these like Christmas looking those little Christmas light things I don't even know how to explain them but because of the reflection it just went on and on and on throughout the mirror and then I had painted the outside of it and she was just in love with it she loved almost everything out there that I had created um, <laughs> and I feel like I remember her wanting to purchase a lot of it but she didn't I can't remember why but uh and yes I think she bought a pair of jeans that I had painted or bedazzled or both who knows I was always painting stuff or recreating old stuff, making it new again. And yes, and then we moved to that apartment complex and found out, I can't remember how we found out we were neighbors. I probably saw her out and we just were like, oh, you know, what I don't, I just don't even remember. But yeah, you were one of the first people that I photographed. I don't know if you know that I had been testing out my camera. My mom, um, my parents got me this. Um, I think it was, was, did I photograph you with the Panasonic silver <laughs> camera? I think it was. I'm not sure. I can't remember what it, I remember it was like a camera camera. I think it was that, that camera that my parents purchased for me. And then Cardan bought me a Nikon a little bit after that. But I think I photographed you with that camera. Uh, and that was during the time I was just now starting and testing. Um, I was still still kind of pursuing dramatic arts, but I had tired of it. I just didn't. And that is even a, that's the crazier part of the story. I don't know if we want to venture on to me Absolutely. having met your husband at that literal, literally that same time your husband before he was your husband. <laughs> um, so yeah, during that time, I had parts of me wanted to still pursue dramatic arts and then the other part of me didn't. I was like on the fence. I had used photography as a way to make money at that time. Um, and so I was just practicing, getting to know it. But around that same exact time, I auditioned for a play. Oh no, I can't remember the name of it. Called the Millennium Theater, I think. Yeah, uh, Cafe Millennium. Cafe Millennium. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I um, had auditioned for a role in that, and I got the role. And your now husband was in the play with me. And you guys had not even met, didn't even know of each other at that time. I was living all the way to, in Maryland, traveling back and forth to New York to rehearse and also to be in the play but yes he was in the play with me and because during that time those were the times I wasn't all the way into it mm -hmm. I just stopped being in the play I can't remember what happened if the director if she noticed and um, so I started alternating with another girl to be in the play and then I just kind of just stop going and being in it so that was literally when I quit <laughs> it's wow. just crazy now fast forward how many years later was that I mean like 18 years later I can't even remember well there's such a cool story around that I think maybe through Instagram not Instagram but somehow maybe through social media like you and I being friends and you seeing him and you're like he looks familiar like not because no it was at your wedding at your wedding oh we can yeah. talk about the wedding <laughs> <laughs> we can talk about the wedding. <laughs> um, 
I do not shoot weddings. Don't get it twisted, y'all. She does not shoot weddings. I repeat, she does not shoot weddings. (laughs) (laughs) And so interestingly, around that time too, when you asked me to shoot your wedding, that was another, like I was transitioning from shooting commercial photography um, and accepting random jobs here and there, family portraits and commercial photography and all of these things. And I I think I've told you before, after photographing my father's battle uh, with cancer and then losing him, again, I had this moment where I just felt like, what am I doing? What am I doing with my camera? How do I go from photographing something like this to still using this as a way to make money, it just didn't feel right. Um, so again, I was in this battling back and forth thing with myself. But anyway, so when you asked me to shoot your wedding, I really didn't hesitate to say yes, because I love you and your family. And you all have always made me feel like family. And I said yes. And, and during that is when I was like, oh, her husband looks so familiar. I just can't figure it out. I can't put my finger on it. Um, and I think after we, I think that's what it was after, after your wedding, after I got back home, I was just like, oh my God, I went and looked in my old album (laughs) just to make sure. (laughs) And I just was like, that's it. We were in this play together. And it's just so crazy. It's just so special how you two didn't know each other at all during that time but that was when I met you and when I met him and then I ended up shooting your wedding and I don't even shoot weddings so (laughs) (laughs) oh my goodness it's it's literally like moments like this and dots connecting like this and serendipity they're not coincidences like these yeah that there are larger forces at play I've told you a million times I hold it very sacred that you shot my (laughs) I honestly truly and it's I'm so glad you said that you were totally open and didn't hesitate because what happened is I was like oh my god my favorite photographer in the whole entire universe and I was like let me just try like I have this thing about me where I'm like okay let me just try I was over the moon you did it the photographs are stunning gorgeous and Morningstar, my sister, was like, you know she doesn't shoot weddings. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? How do you know this? She's like, she said it on social media. I'm like, what? I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm so happy to hear that you're like, it was so, like, copacetic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, I'm so intrigued by your whole entire journey. And so one of the pillars of Roots of the Spirit is Sankofa, in essence, looking to the past to inform the future. I just would like to have a broad understanding of like how your upbringing, your background shaped your work, your art, and your life today. So all the way back, you were actually born in Tokyo, as you describe as an army brat. So what was that like? What was your upbringing and journey? Really, it was just to me, just felt like I have no memory of, of Japan at all. I just have photos of, you know, myself, my parents, my sisters, um, my godparents, their names are uh, Chiharu and Kanichi. I have no connection to them, but just photos. And there's tons of tons of photos of them 
holding me, taking me out and about in Japan. But I really don't remember at all, um, just through photos. Um, we lived in Georgia. I, I really don't even remember all of the places uh, we lived the younger years, but I, I do remember Germany. I kind of feel like Germany may have a subconscious influence, but not one that I remember. We would go to castles during our field trips, and we lived on base. So the only time we went off base was for field trips or if our parents took us. So I do remember the castles and just being amazed by the beauty and how massive they were and the decor. I, I just remember just having or sticking in my mind. I can't say that during that time as a kid, a black girl, that walking in those castles or looking at the walls, I felt that I was missing. I started to feel like that when I had kids and realized they were missing from the work that I enjoyed or loved or liked. I, again, can't say that I feel that it had an influence. I, I don't know. I, I feel that I can kind of relate it to it, but it wasn't this aha moment as a kid. That happened when I became a mother. And, and a little bit further into it, and, and a lot of other events happened that kind of shook me and woke me up and, and made me just literally change everything that I was doing. So based on what you were just saying in your description of the castles and all of that, I'm not sure in all of the different places you lived when this came about for you, but when was the very first time you had your awareness of art in whatever form you perceived it? Oh God, I know I have, I just know that I've always created in some way, whether that just be painting on furniture, painting things, drawing on things. I mean, all my life, that's all I did. I was in dramatic arts and my aunt had a theater company. And so art has always been something that I've been into. So there's no specific moment that I can pinpoint. Just It just was. And I, I feel like maybe that's how it is with most kids or, or all kids. Or, or is it? Is it not? You know, it's so interesting. I was at a conference yesterday and there was a group of women representing this dance troupe called Urban Bush Women. And mm -hmm. the woman was talking about archiving our family stories. And she mm -hmm. was talking about in her home that there were so many makers in her family and they weren't making like, oh, I'm making something to be aesthetically beautiful. More like just the work and love that was put into everything that was crafted in the home was beautiful art. Yeah. And so it's really interesting to hear you describe that because like from that perspective, and I believe she, her lineage is, she has African roots. She, just the way that she described that was beautiful. Yeah, that's really just how I feel. That's how it is with my own kids. Even and now that I'm, you're asking me that question. I, I I don't think I've ever been asked that question, but I do remember being young and my aunt Corinne. Well, you know how it is in black families where our parents' close friends are our aunts. So yeah. <laughs> when I say my aunt Corinne, this is my mom's close friend, but I, I've always grown up calling her aunt. And I don't even know if she remembers this, but I was kicking around bored or just, pro who knows, just very bored. And I made this paper doll to play with. And <laughs> I don't know if she influenced me to make the doll, but even just little stuff like that, 
I remember like just making stuff to play with. And even my daughter, without anybody telling her, the other day she came upstairs and she asked me, can I play with her paper toys? And she dumps out this whole bag and she created this whole city out of paper and people. And I'm just like, (laughs) this reminded me of the doll that I created out of boredom, but she did the same thing. So I just kind of thought, or I think that as children, we just create naturally. I think, I know that I did. And so I just thought that it was normal or a thing that we all do. That is so beautiful. And it's like landing on me. And the frame of the work that I do is around anti-racism and undoing racism, like uprooting it. Um, Yeah. I was having a conversation with my little sister, Layla, who has a toddler. He's two and a half. And so I was just having a conversation with her about the programs that I'm creating and who do I really want to put my focus on? Children? Is it adults? And in my experience, children have a freedom of mind that adults don't have. And she said something really powerful to me. She said what she thinks would be a good approach and what the conversation with early childhood education is how can we learn from young children about their innate curiosity, about about their imagination, about their sense of equality and their beautiful um just like their embrace and just who they are and so she was saying it's not she was saying that she would encourage me to look at how do we keep that in children and nourish that in children yeah yeah what reminds me of what you're saying about curiosity and imagination and art yeah yeah sadly until adults and outside people get to kids they they're really just the perfect definition of a human being is a child like this is how human beings should be not in the sense that we should all be jumping off couches and things like that but the way that they are so open so free so creative and just beautiful and not tarnished they're not they they haven't been tarnished by all of these things that happen that adults are responsible for and yeah i agree with her i completely 100 percent agree with her Wow. So on that note, as it relates to being tarnished and exterior forces kind of being inflicted on us, especially as young Mm -hmm. people, to kind of shift a tad, going back again in the spirit of Sankofa, but springing forward rather quickly thereafter, when is the very first time that you became aware of, quote, race? Um, You know what's interesting is things don't, things I don't feel that they hit me until I was an adult and looked back at those moments like, wow. Um, I remember living in Germany and I had this friend, yeah, little girl friend. And when I would go to her house, she would tell me, and I want to say I remember her mother also saying the same thing as you're not black, you're brown. You're not black, you're brown. I don't even know why that was a thing because I didn't go into the house saying, oh, I'm black. (laughs) It was just this thing they would tell me when I would come over. And I never said anything to my parents because I never even thought anything of it until I remember as an adult certain things about the family. And like they had, uh, the dad had like a Confederate flag in the house. And the dad also had this thing where he put his he put his hands on my sister. My dad almost had, you know, we're not even going to 
there was a whole big thing with with that. Um, oh. But as an adult, I realized what they were doing. They were making it okay for her to play with me by by saying I'm not black. You know, it it was, and I didn't realize that as a kid. And I can't say that it affected me because you know. I, I, I didn't even realize what happened until one day. I don't even know why some things just like hit me. And, and then I have an understanding. It took me years to even understand it. Nothing even happened where I was thinking of it. It just popped in my mind. Mm. And I was able to understand what happened and what they were doing. And so there were little things like that that happened. Um, but I, I'm, I'm not even sure they affected me. It was little things like that that I can remember it's really profound because like I, my mind is constantly juxtaposing the beautiful art that you create and how deliberate and keenly intentional you are to bring images centering black beauty in your art and your experience as a young person. And how do you think that that shaped your experience? Was it after you became a mother? Because that's when you had your first child, that's one of the major shifts in your life, right? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, in the first parts of my life, while I was trying to figure out what I'm going to do, oh, I just stopped acting. Okay, that was my lifetime goal. So now what I'm going to do? And then I turned to photography. But during those times, I was just kind of figuring it out. Okay, I'm going to shoot this. I'm going to shoot this. Anything, really, I would just photograph just anything, mostly, mostly people always people now that I'm thinking about it was always people but once I had my son that was it that was it for me I I really just everything about him I had my camera in his face every day he was so beautiful and amazing (laughs) and these things that he would do he, he was just he definitely changed my life in many ways so people would see the photos that I took of him so I my sister wanted me to shoot her kids and then her friends wanted me to photograph their kids. And then, you know, that's kind of how that came about from me photographing my son and then other people hiring me or wanting me to photograph their kids. So I, I can't remember the moment. I can't remember if I was already a mother when I realized that what happened with the little girl. It just these things just randomly pop up in my head. I don't think I had had him already. Um, and I don't think it was something that moved me to do anything at that time. It was literally just, oh, that's what happened. And then the next day came and, you know, I went about my life. So it was just like this compilation of things that happened that pushed me in this direction. First, it was my son that made me want to focus my lens on children. At first, it just was him. It was him that I wanted to photograph. And that just organically turned into me photographing other families. And then that was a way for me to earn an income. And then a family, I believe I had a a shoot and I photographed this family and she was marketing director or something like that for a company. And she hired me to shoot a commercial brochure or something like that. And then they just kept hiring me. So then that's how that turned into now I'm shooting commercial photography. And then it became for me about, oh, okay, now I want to have these big company names on my on my resume. And I realized that was because throughout those years, at that time, it was hard for people to understand that 
this is a job that I'm doing. I'm not just playing around. So now I'm having to convince people that I, hey, this is a job. You know, I do have a real a real career. So then I feel that I started chasing after bigger jobs for some type of validation. And after when my parents came to stay with us, after we found out my father had prostate cancer, and I, me and my dad discussed me photographing his battle, which we thought was going to be his victory, but I ended up photographing my father losing his life. My camera felt so much more important to me mm-hmm. at that time. Um, I realized that ooh, I realized that it kept me maybe from really seeing what was happening, um, and it kind of like shielded me from what was actually happening. That's what I feel. And I just felt like it was more important than it had ever been. And then I started having these feelings that just felt like, uh, you know, I still chased after commercial work. I still wanted to do it. I still needed to make money, but it just started not feeling good. It just didn't feel like that's that's all that I could do. Mm -hmm. It felt like um, even with my son, it felt like my camera was more powerful than that, even photographing his life and then my daughter's life and then my father's death. Just felt like there was more that I could do. And then other things started happening, like Trayvon Martin completely opened my eyes and con- completely rocked my world. I had never, of course, I knew about the injustices. I saw them. I I knew about Emmett Till, I knew about this, I knew about that, but just kind of seeing, I don't think I had access to see what other human beings were feeling mm-hmm. without social media. So yeah, I saw these other things happening and I just thought everybody else was outraged too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that's just what I thought. And so to see this boy be gunned down, killed because of what he had on, and because of the color of his skin, and to see people literally saying this boy deserves it, and all of these things, to see his body, to see this, to see that, and to see this man walk, mm-hmm. I was just like, this can't, this can't be life. I have nephews, I have a son, I have black kids, I have a black husband, I have black friends, and even further, all black people to me at that moment felt like their family, like this is my family. Trayvon Martin felt like this could be my nephew. And so that shook me. I was just complaining and arguing and yelling and trying to convince people and started just noticing I had associates and clients that would post about animal rights, but not about Trayvon Martin and everybody else that came after him. And then I started seeing little girls be sent home from school because of their hairstyles. And I just was like this is enough and I put all of that energy into creating I don't think I had a plan I just was so frustrated and sad and hurt that I just started to create and I feel that it was a response to all of these things and in response I wanted to create something beautiful instead of letting it destroy who I was and who I would become I'm literally like, as you were speaking, like 
chills are going through me and like tears are coming to my eyes. Your story is so powerful. And I mean, I can look at your art and create my own interpretation and feel all the feelings, but hear you describe your inspiration and remember your journey with your father and the beautiful tribute that you and your family created and just the devastation of his passing and such a great love. And it was so profound. And I know how much he means to you. And it's absolutely beautiful. And the way that you carry his legacy. Yeah. It's so powerful. It's strange how memories kind of like, like you said, they can be tucked away and then they come back. I remember seeing your post about Trayvon Martin and like after Trayvon Martin was Mike Brown and then it just was like so overwhelming like and then like it was just and it still is like that is why your work is so powerful so potent and so I feel like just hearing the beautiful beautiful description as sorrow filled as it is and has been for you what you're able to create to inspire and to uplift and uphold your father's legacy is like remarkable. I like I, I don't want to be ignorant to what's happening and what's going on, but I also know that there's so much, so many beautiful things that we do and we are as a community. And I, I want to celebrate that without being a response. But I knew I had to put those emotions into something before they destroyed me. Because as you said, with the Facebook memories and all of those things, every they, they always pop back up. Mm-hmm. And those were some really frustrating times for me where if I would have allowed it, I, could, I probably could have become someone that I didn't want to be. I'm so curious, and I don't know exactly how to phrase the question, but I'm in awe of how did you turn that hatred and ugliness into something beautiful? I don't even know. I just know that during those times, I was, um, I know that I was challenging myself to create. And so I had these challenges, and I think I started with um, using patterns in my work. I knew I was ready to move on from what I was doing previously. I had, I was in my basement studio I had taken all of my old work and just started to destroy it with paint and things like that I was tired of seeing it I was tired and I think that was the way that I was like letting out frustrations too and during those times I was just filled with so much frustration tears every day I was crying I was in, which is my husband he had to pull me away from he had to pull me out of it and say, you have to go about your day. And so I just started doing (laughs) what I always did, making things and just creating. And I just was sitting at the computer filled with all of of these emotions and just using all the materials that I had and just started to create. And as all of the pieces came together, it just made me so happy. And I just kept creating. And so now I'm trying to remove myself and trying to see what I can create without sadness or frustration and focus more on the joy and 
and, and celebrating and also walking in a museum with my kids. I didn't see us on the walls and I didn't see them on the walls. And, and that's another part of this too. I also don't want anybody to confuse this as validation, mm-hmm. but needing validation from anyone that we're beautiful, because we know that. We know that. It's just more so about celebrating our lives, celebrating our hair, celebrating our blackness, celebrating our beauty. It is about celebration. Unfortunate things have happened that fueled me to create this. But at the end of the day, it's 100% is about celebration and telling our own stories and just not waiting for somebody else to do it for us. That is amazing. That is so beautiful. It's so awesome. I always think of trees. They're always in my mind because roots of the spirit. I always think me, it's like a practice of trying to be more grounded and rooted. And they're like, you know, there's going to be wind, it's going to sway. But I used to respond to everything and it used to drive me insane. And I used to get very upset and debilitated by what's happening. And then I had to make a conscious decision to like, stay firm to my path. And I feel like in a way, like two different worlds, but I feel like just the way that you describe your story, it kind of reminds me of that. And Mm -hmm. so- There's this beautiful video, and the opening of the video is your daughter's voice. Yep. And she (laughs) says, it's it's a beautifully poignant question slash statement. And she says, have you ever had a dream that you could create anything you want just using your imagination? Anything. I did. Mm -hmm. That just hits so hard because it's so beautiful because what you have done for your children and your family is is giving them something beautiful as a reflection yeah. of themselves. Yeah, yeah. And you know, that, that to me is the, the most amazing part of that exhibition in the Museum in New York, Photographiska. The most beautiful part of that was seeing those kids. That was very important for me. A couple of the girls that are on those walls had dealt with being bullied about their skin complexion, their features, their hair, and different things. One of them who was very special to me, she even wanted to switch skin complexions with her mother who was lighter skinned because she was being teased. And so to see her, to have her be able to see herself on those walls, not that she needs that validation, you know, like it's not that I don't, I don't know how to explain, but even just for herself, to see herself framed in that way on those walls was the most important piece for me. And even that made me feel like even if I didn't create another thing, I'd done enough with just that. Wow. Yeah. I mentioned Sankofa. Also, representation is another major pillar of Roots of the Spirit. What has your experience been with representation? I feel like you've already answered it. Like, I need not even ask that. So there's not just one thing that drove me to create the work I'm creating today, but many. And representation is definitely one of them. I think that we may not know it or may not realize it, but I do believe that things that we see every day and the things that are seen as beautiful or shown to us as what's beautiful or 
shown to us is what's not beautiful. You know, just everything that we see every day or all the time, no matter where we're going, influence us, especially as children. I think those things, those experiences are what make us who we are. So, yeah, I just started to feel, again, all of these things, all of these things happening and then walking into the museum with my kids. Again, they don't go hand in hand, but they go hand in hand with what drove me to create. Just walking in the museum with my kids in portrait after portrait after portrait in these gold frames, big, beautiful frames. Yeah, you, you just keep on walking and walking and walking. And finally, you'll come across someone that does look like you. Mm. And then you spend a whole nother hour looking at faces that don't look like you. And so... Outside of even that, I think it's important that we expose our children and understand that what they see is important. And so I definitely think representation matters. And I think we have to be careful of what they're seeing as beautiful and what we're showing them is beautiful. Absolutely. Totally poignant. Just yesterday, it blew my mind. I was at a conference and I'm sitting next to a woman. And after the panel, I turned to the person beside me and I said, so what do you think? And she said, no. I said, (laughs) what do you mean? No. And she literally was emotional that she is a painter. So it's not necessarily her comfort zone to be out and about at conferences, but she stretched herself and came out and she was talking about just how powerful and emotional it was to talk about representation. And she said, look around this room. We're in this incredibly ornate architectural like gem of a room. And she said, you know, architecture is one thing that if you can look at architecture and say, you know, years of planning went into that. She's like, there are all kinds of we're sitting in a room with all kinds of coded symbols and architecture and art like they are like littered with meaning and power. I was like, oh, my gosh, I was thinking about preparation for speaking with you and and how you're like, I'm putting a stop to this narrative. And I am completely shifting the narrative and centering blackness and beauty and love and power in the middle at the heart of it. Mm. Mm. So powerful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can't not talk about this. And (laughs) I just thought it was like, okay, so I mentioned that you've been at Donna Karen's Urban Zen, Photographiska, you're so humble and like, it's insane. You probably have like, your work is probably in a million different celebrities' homes and prominent <laughs> states, people and queens and kings. I, I'm not even being I'm joking, <laughs> but you're too humble to probably and, and so honorable that you probably wouldn't disclose that. However, one thing that was so awesome is that there was an article in the Boston Globe, I, I believe, mm-hmm. shown your work at Art Basel in Miami. Mm-hmm. I was like, woohoo, so excited for you. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, the talk of Art Basel at Miami was about a banana stuck to the wall with duct tape. Yes. <laughs> and there was an article in the Boston Globe the next day, and the big, bold title was Art Basel Bears Far Better Fruit Than yes. $150,000 <laughs> Banana. Boom, Tani's work right on the front. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that was. And you know what? 
of course, and I'm not even trying to change the subject, <laughs> but mm -hmm. what's crazy is the writer of that article is my niece's godfather's sister. What? No, and no one even knew that. <laughs> these are these wow. are the crazy connections that constantly continue to happen. He sent me a message. He he he's like, did you know that was my sister that wrote that article? I said no. He he said she didn't know she didn't know anything about you either. She just uh, loved your work and 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 um, wrote the article. But I just thought that was so that was amazing i know that 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 sounds like i i shifted the subject no i, I mean <laughs> you're, mm, okay you'll get a pass but you can't shift on this okay <laughs> then there's june 2nd 2019 it's a regular day in the neighborhood wake up birds are chirping coffee regular routine instagram beyonce doesn't post that often so i'm flipping through beyonce's instagram and i'm like boom wait a second blue ivy is standing in front of yes. work so sweet. <laughs> i was like yeah mm, mm, mm. um so yeah the, i got so many texts by the time <laughs> i woke up i thought somebody died i was so oh, scared no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that moment you're like, oh my God, something must be wrong. Yeah, I, I woke up, my heart started pounding. What happened? Because there were exclamations. Somebody had sent me, the first thing I saw was Tawny with a bunch of exclamation points. Oh my and gosh. then I saw all these other missed calls and, and I just was like, oh my God, I'm so scared. So I opened it and there was a picture of Blue Ivy's beautiful self. First, that's my daughter in, in the photo. But it, it meant so much to me that she got to see this and, and you know, took a picture in front of it. <laughs> wow. And I know there are many more glorious stories to go along with. I mean, I'm literally, <laughs> you have stolen my words because... I'm just elated with excitement and pride for you. And you're changing people's lives. You're changing mm. the narrative. You're transforming our consciousness. Wow. Like, I just, there's so much that I could say, but I just admire you so. I'm so proud of you. It's <laughs> an honor to know you. And I just have literally one more question. Tani, what are the roots of your spirit? Wow. I mean, I guess I'm just thinking what has always been there. That's what I'm thinking. Like, what's at the root of it? What's always been there? But I can't pull it out and, and think of a word that's always been there. But right now, at this time, I know that what's important to me and, and what's at the root of everything that I am doing, which is my spirit, coming from my spirit, should I say, is making use of the rest of the time that I have here to contribute, not just say this is the type of world that I want my kids to live in, but to contribute to it. I think that humans, we have like 80, 90 years here, and it took me about 30 of those years or 30 plus of those years to figure out what use I could be. So I think that at the root of my Spirit is figuring out how I can use myself to be useful to my kids, kids like them, 
their kids and the world as a whole. That's so beautiful. And I'm so proud of you. You are the embodiment of the ancestor's dream. (laughs) All of the feelings are completely 100% mutual. So whatever you're saying to me, I 100% feel the same. (laughs) I absolutely appreciate it. And when I think of you, the word luminous comes to mind. You're making an incredible contribution. So thank you, Tani, so much and have a beautiful, beautiful rest of your day. Thank you. Thank, uh, and I'm going to say one more thing. When you said luminous, my dad, when he was in the hospital and I was, he was talking to me, he said, there is a white light illuminating around you. Wow. <laughs> oh my goodness. So thank you. <laughs> oh, gosh. Reminded me of him. Wow, <laughs> beautiful. so beautiful.